Hello and welcome to the Courageous Influence Talk Show, where we have courageous conversations that help build people of courageous influence. I'm your host, Alex Cutterford, and I'm joined by my mate and pastor, Caleb Dwyer. G'day. How are you, mate? Good. 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 I am fine. How are you? Awesome. I'm very good. You're just fine, are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, that's good. Um, mate, we've been having a lot of fun this morning. Mm-hmm. Can I just say I love hanging out with you and the producer? A touche. Does touche mean me too? I don't know. I don't that know. That is one of these words I've uh, never touché. fully understood when no. you said it <laughs> yeah. not. Does it mean, ah, oh, you got me, good zinger? Yeah. Or does it mean, ah, uh, uh, back at ya? Yeah, no, I think it means the first one. Good zinger. Like, ah, uh, touche. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> not purely zingers, but it's like, ah, uh, touche, like, ah. Uh, <laughs> We should never teach English. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, this is not an English lesson no. this morning. Don't worry if that's what you're thinking is about to happen. Welcome to Bo- Bogan 101. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's about right. Um, mate, we've got an awesome show lined up this morning. Looking forward to it. I've got some great bombshells to drop. Whoa! Um, but I feel as though we have a shared fail this morning. A shared fail? Yeah, I feel as though we should talk about... Bad eating habits because so you started to allude to the fact that you've been struggling and I felt, all right, let's make this into the talk show because I'm right there with you. (laughs) And I was even listening to a, um, on the news the other day, they were talking about there's been a very big spike in bad eating habits with like salty foods and stuff over coronavirus. Yeah, really? And so... We're not alone. All of Australia is in this struggle with us. <laughs> the right? whole world. So hopefully everyone can identify with us. Mm. Um, mate, what's going on with your well, The biggest habits? thing I've noticed is uh, we eat pretty healthy from breakfast to dinner. Um, and then it all goes downhill. And then it all goes downhill. And I've, for a long time I've been a take it or leave it when it comes to dessert. But I finished dinner and 10 minutes later I'm so hungry. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. And then... I'm looking in the mirror going, mate, it's probably time you stopped having dessert. Like, you, know, you used to be able to eat what you wanted and it just, yeah, I could not put weight on. Like, when I was a young fella, uh, I used to hate being so skinny. And people would say to you, oh, gee, you're a bit skinny or hey, sticks and stuff like that. And it was okay. But as a young boy, like, you wanted to be big, you wanted to be ripped. Like, it was deep down, you're like, <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you know, you get towards your late 30s and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> They took it a sudden turn, and now all of a sudden you're wishing you're skinny. But now I just yes, I don't know what it is, but I've noticed the last even the last couple of nights I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to have dessert. Yeah. And then dinner's finished, and you're sitting there <laughs> twiddling your fingers. Twenty five minutes later, I'm like, oh gee, I'm hungry. <laughs> we got any muffins? Uh, <laughs> I might have a double choc muffin with ice cream. That'd be good. So I'm sitting on the couch yesterday. So we've eaten dinner, and then we've had a few. Well, first I did the food shopping after work yesterday and Melissa comes, gee, someone's a bit peckish. I've, <laughs> I've bought a packet of chips, a little packet of these um, sort of sugary apricot things um, and a packet of biscuits. You meant uh, to be like safe chocolate for your house, mate. <laughs> I was saying bargain, bargain, bargain. <laughs> <laughs> you should like, never, oh. ever, ever shop when you're hungry, hey. <laughs> so anyway, so I've bought all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've eaten the... Um, the grain wave chips on the way home because you need a little snack. Well, they're kind of healthy, home. aren't they? Sort of. <laughs> There's one element that makes it he- that's healthy, but then it's made up for by all the salt <laughs> that they pile <laughs> yeah. on to make up for it. It's um, five grains, but it's deep fried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we ate that on the way home, um, and then we nibbled on a few of the apricot things while we cooked dinner, 
Then we had a couple after dinner and, and a few bickies with a cup of tea. Mm. <laughs> then oh. Melissa turns around and I'm on the couch eating toast. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, are you serious? She goes, fire out. And she's like, seriously, we got to get your eating under control. <laughs> I was like... I'm eating the toast so I don't eat more chocolate biscuits. That was a good move. <laughs> exactly. I did lather it with butter, but did, did, veggie might Do you think it's just winter, though? Like, I reckon you burn so much energy. And even, like, last night, I, I knocked off a little early because um, we, we had a couple of weeks leave and we spent that time renovating the house, so no time to get firewood. And yeah. then last week it rained all week. Mm. So it had been three weeks. The so rain not, wears you down. It does. So yeah. I went, all right, I've got to get home early and go smash some firewood. Did that, man, I was hungry. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because, I don't think it was just that I was doing physical exercise because I said I've been renovating stuff, but you're cold. Yeah. I was reckoning the wet and the yeah, cold. Yeah, your body's putting more work into keeping you running. And yeah, it's definitely not our lack of self control. <laughs> definitely not. I'm sure there's some science that can back us up here. It's the world's fault, not ours. Uh, so if you're listening and you're a scientist, could you please um, just send her a little signed letter for our wives? Yes. Yeah. Letting them know why we've been <laughs> eating terribly lately. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm just starting to I'm snowballing a bit because the thing about bad food is the more you eat, the more you crave it, mm. and the less satisfying it becomes in small doses. Yeah, it's it's a pandemic. Ooh, but it's another sort. Yeah, <laughs> but I have to say, like in general, as a as a household, we eat pretty healthy. Yeah, we have healthy dinners. Yeah, we have very healthy dinners, which doesn't. It's it's now at the tipping point now though that that doesn't compensate enough for the amount of bad food. That <laughs> <we eat. laughs> yeah. Oh well. Um, how about we move now from our fails, which let's face it, the whole nation is in with us, <laughs> to armchair anchors. Armchair anchors. Well, this this week uh, I want to go bravely where we've never been before mm. and enter the world of politics and pop culture. Yep. Potentially. And, and can I let, – let me say this from the onset. We're actually not going to get heavily into politics. Right. Of course not. But the thing that – We're not fools. <laughs> we, we don't know enough. <laughs> well, we are fools. But The thing that, the thing that um, I'm going to bring up that bothers me, it's not because ideologically this type of thing is my bent. Like, personally, just my view, I'm, I'm up for small government. I just think that, um, you know, the bigger – the bigger government, the bigger organisation gets, the less power the individual has. You, you know, we we do the so. bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's just my worldview, right? But at the same time, I I think we need a level of government for sure. I'm not an anarchist or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, so many rules and so many regulations nowadays drives me up the wall. However. When we're in the middle of a pandemic, like, is it that hard to just go, you know what, some really smart people are suggesting that wearing a mask could benefit the rest of society. And I live in Victoria, we don't, where these things go out of control, or I live in the States where it's out of control. And so the kindest thing I can do for everyone else is just listen to the advice and pop a mask on. <laughs> Rather than making a big political statement Simple. about Simple. Done. I'm not listening to the man, how dare they try and control every aspect of my life. Um, I'm not wearing the mask. Are you for real? Did you see the um, Bunnings Carol video? 
Oh. Went by. Is, is it Karen? Oh, Karen, sorry. Yes. Yep. Yep, Karen. <laughs> um, yeah, she's... Yeah, that uh, human rights have been violated from being... She's in their face telling them that they're violating her human rights and, and they interviewed a, um, a human rights mm-hmm. um, expert. You're saying there's more human rights related to the health of humanity than there is to <laughs> being stopped from wearing a mask. Yeah. It's like, actually, you've been given the right to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. It's like... And I think for so us, like what, fired up. Um, lower middle-aged men are among the people who this affects the least, right? When we catch it, it doesn't, you know, occasionally people get really sick, but more often than not, with good treatment in a Western nation, we're going to be okay. But don't we have just a, a sense of care and duty for other people to go, you know what, if this can just make a few people, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> I might not look brilliant in a mask, but it's not like I look worse. They're just covering up part of my face. Honestly. It might even do you favour. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Depending. Uh, right. Actually, I saw I saw this meme um, and it was like the, the, the real problems with the pandemic and it was this mask and these beautiful eyes and then they pulled it down and they had a big moustache. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why you grow a beard, Caleb? Yeah. Yeah, right, I'm doing my bit for society. <laughs> um, I saw another video of someone that had put in two masks on and so then they could open it up to eat <laughs> and it looks like a big beak <laughs> they, they look like a That's bird genius. yeah although i have to admit because of my um complete disdain for feet and socks you want them to be made mandatory for feet as well no i'm drawing the line when it comes to making your own mask out of a sock <laughs> no it's been all over facebook no yes how to make a mask out of a sock i'm like really surely there's other things lying around first there's a lot of other things i would use before it so many things <laughs> so, but I, it just gets me i just look at it and go what what Especially because, you know, I probably lean a little bit more that way of freedom, less rules. We don't need to, you know, don't over-govern the world. Seriously, we're not good at it. So yep. let people make their own choices and deal with the consequences to a, to a degree. Yep. Um, that's kind of where I come from. But then I just look at this and go, what? where have you got to where common sense and just, just a simple little gesture of putting a mask on to care for your fellow man, whether it helps them or not, you're at least doing your bit, mm. is somehow um, an affront to your political worldview that you just got to get angry and rage against some poor joker who's just down at Bunnings trying to do their job yeah. and sell you a spatula <laughs> and you're going off. I just think, are you uh, for real? Like, just settle down. Mm. All right, Cracks let's... Let uh, now, before we move on, <laughs> you told me the best the best one line I've heard about not wearing a mask. <laughs> Which won't be shared. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, now, we're moving on before you get too fired up mm. and in a spiral. Um, but let's... I, I'll pick back up on the bureaucracy conversation. Because I have got a doozy. A doozy. An absolute doozy. So uh, at work at the moment, I am tasked with my job is to help 15 to 19-year-olds get into employment or Mm -hmm. further education. So riddle me this, all right? Are you Mm -hmm. ready for bureaucracy at its finest? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so you're allowed to do the white card course, which get allows you to get onto work sites and stuff like that. You're allowed to do that from 14. You're allowed, when you're 14, you're allowed to do that course. Mm-hmm. Now, to sign up for the course, you need photo ID. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're 15, you haven't got your car license yet. Mm-mm. You can't get a proof of age card until you're 16. Oh. <laughs> so... If you are still at school, you're able to get something signed by the school. But if they're not at school, they have just fallen into what I've discovered is the biggest black hole in bureaucracy that I have ever seen. They're not allowed (laughs) to get proof of age. They haven't got a licence. They haven't got a school ID. So I have been back and forth with... So there's the provider of the white card course, Mm -hmm. but they, um, I guess, are governed by SafeWork. So I've called SafeWork. I'm explaining it to them. The first person that I spoke to was answering my questions before I finished. And then once she finally heard what my question was, she goes, well, what are you going to use for photo ID? I said, that's what I'm calling about. That's my question. And then she was like, "Uh, I'm going to have to get back to you. I'll email it up the line basically and, and they'll get in touch. And I was like, oh, no. It's going to get lost in the system. I've gone back to the provider and I'm talking with them about it and it's sort of, oh, what about this, what about that? And then realising, hmm, yeah, ah. <laughs> so then I've gone back to them and the, the first person from Safe Work that I spoke to was saying like, oh, look, like we don't really even need the photo ID. Um, it's more so for the high risk course that you need it more so. Um it's not really that pivotal for us. It's mm-hmm. It just depends on the provider. Talking to the provider, look, we're just following the guidelines set for us by safe work. Oh, wow. <laughs> so back and forth. Eventually, after yesterday, having been on hold on and off for an hour, at the end of the day, after I spent the whole day on this because I was like, that's it, I'm going to crack this. I'm going to find a way. Um, I'm going to break the system. Yeah, yes. I'm taking the system on. Uh-huh. I, I can't wait to find a way through this. It's going to be a great day. Um, and then finally got a lead to another email that I can go through to try and get an exemption. Right. But it's not guaranteed. So that's my job today is I'm going to try and lobby for an exemption of the photo ID Well, so that these guys can go get their white card. Couple of questions. Like, isn't the most fundamental ID certificate your birth certificate? So, they need the birth certificate as well. Where it's fallen, because you need your hundred points of ID. So, what about was, a passport? But none of them have got their passport, and that's an even that would be an even bigger task trying to help them get that. It could together. be like four or five hundred dollars to get a passport. Yeah, and the and so that's one of the wow. other things. If they're so if we went the route, for some of them, they might still be enrolled at school, mm. um, even though they're not attending. And so we thought, oh, maybe we can still get something from the school because they're still on the books right. technically. Um, the issue with that then is they don't, they're, if they're at school, they're not eligible for the funding that no. makes it free. <laughs> so <laughs> even if we did go that <laughs> route, they turn up the school like, ID. Then, then it's like out. 220 bucks to do wow. the white card. Could you guys as an organisation not start to issue your, I don't know, what do you call them? They're not students, your premises or whatever, yeah. with photo IDs? Well, I have um, 
a camera. I, I, I've raised it in a conversation of whether we could try and become a provider of the white card. Oh, yeah. That, but even then, if we still had, we would have to work our way around the... Yeah, but why all is it, it is, what it comes down to is one little box at the bottom of this page and, it's, and you have to tick that you've seen um, had ID. these things cited and one of them says photo ID, even though I was like highlighting parts of like the legislation that's on the front. And saying all it says is um, provide a photo. It doesn't mm-hmm. say photo ID. Mm-hmm. And then on another one it says you just need to provide 100 points of ID. Um, these are some of the things that you're going to wow. So I'm like highlighting this and sending it back through and they're saying, yeah, but then there's a... Oh, just, what I'm about... crack it. I don't know if this works. Could you take a photograph of yourself to a JP and get them to sign it as a genuine photo? That's what I, I, I was discussing that with Melissa yesterday. I was like, well, that's what I'm just trying to ask them. Like, you know, tell there me what we can do. That's ridiculous. Anyway, that's exactly my point. Like, so we're that not is, good at this stuff. That is the um, beauty of when you've just, yeah, they've fallen into a black hole of the system. Oh. And they keep saying, oh, we don't have many, um, not many of our... Clients fall into this category. I was like, yeah, that's because it's impossible for them to get in. <laughs> yeah. And none of your clients are under the age of 16, are they? <laughs> oh, gee. Crazy. So can you get a photo card or do you have to have a license for that? Yeah, you have to be 16 to get it. Wow. So I'm going to lobby to the government. <laughs> you should, you should be allowed to get a photo ID when you turn 14 because the legal working age is 14, eight months. So I reckon at 14 you should be allowed to get photo ID because that's a very pivotal thing in terms of getting into your employment. You should ring the ABC radio. Well, I had a mate come in yesterday to the to work who was applying for a job and then he came and we had a chat and we got talking about it and we've decided we're going to go to 60 minutes. <laughs> oh, 60, <laughs> go to the top. <laughs> so we're going to take on the Come on. <laughs> Anyway, moving on from bureaucracy, I've been loving telling this story because it's just uh, it's it's so bewildering that it's satisfying mm. to talk. About. Mm. Um, but one quick one, and I was last week the conversation came up of the emu war, and that the emus won. Do you remember that? Um, With yes. the producer, yes. And yes. we were like, "What is going on?" I looked it up. Uh huh. In 1932. Uh huh. The uh, emus were destroying the um, crops of a lot of the um, Australian. They were a part of like, I think they were part of the army, whichever section in Western Australia. And to keep them working in between things, they set them up doing crops um, a bit further out in the bush. And they were getting raided by emus. And at one point it was up to like 20,000 emus were out in this area and just raiding all of their crops. And instead of going to the um, Minister of Agriculture, they, they went to the Minister of Defence. And he went, <laughs> all right, good. and he went, we'll sort this out. He supplied them with one machine gun and 10,000 bullets. <laughs> and they were tasked with... Clearing the uh, emus, <laughs> and they failed miserably. Did they uh, really? The they, emus won. The emus worked out the distance of the machine gun. Wow! And just sat just out of range of it, 
Yes. And then when they realised how quick they were, they, their uh, next idea was let's put it on the back of a car and chase after them, which <laughs> in the video goes, which uh, didn't work very successfully because they spent most of their time just trying to hold on. <laughs> yeah, accuracy is totally blown in a moving vehicle. Without what what year was this? 1932. Wow, haven't times changed? Can you imagine how many permits you'd have to go through? Um, to yeah, so eventually on? they declared that the... Um, yeah, they ran out of bullets <laughs> and had gotten had made no dent in the emu population, and um, they decided decided to chuck that up to a fail and didn't try it again. Oh, there's so many things about that story. And so, oh, <laughs> so, yeah. so um, look it up on YouTube. Oh, well, brilliant! That is cool. brilliant. Um, now we'll quickly brush past sports in the anchor armchair. Just to let everyone know, the Eagles have gone from outside the top eight to flag favourites mm. over the weekend. Yeah. Unbelievable performance. Unbelievable. Uh, hopefully they can maintain that. That was pretty clinical. Of uh, that was just they dismantled. That was a near perfect game of football. Mm-hmm. Oh, all the guns were firing. Mm-hmm. Young and old. Kennedy kicking seven. Oh. Allen kicking three. Wouldn't it be good and to holding see his own against Grundy in the ruck? He did. Yeah, he did pretty well actually. Mm. But wouldn't it be good to see Big Man get the Coleman? That would be very good. Mm. It'll, um, here's another. Um, here's my question without notice. Mm-hmm. Why is it? Yes, Alex. Why is it that most commentators are former tall forwards? Rewalt. Um, Brown, Alistair Lynch, Rewalt, uh, Favola, Nathan Brown, not a key forward, but a forward, mm. Richo. Mm. They're all key forwards. This is, why, why is that? Gary Lyon. Gary Lyon. Um, even, um, oh, he's on the other talk show. Um, shaved head, played for Hawthorne, uh, Dunstall. Dunstall. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of them. They're, they're overrepresented with all the positions. You're right. I wonder if Backman aren't smart enough to be commentators. <laughs> well, I was thinking it was the other way around. <laughs> well, they're not smart enough to go get another job. No, the, the, the defenders become coaches. Ah. The fours, the showboaters, become all they do is sit around and talk. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right, actually. Yeah, they they like being out the front. Mm. They're the showboaters. Mm-hmm. They're the goal kickers. It's the same. And way then in the soccer. coaches take the unsung glory. They all they get is pelted for anything they do. You're right. Like the the most famous players would probably be the ones who actually tick over numbers on the scoreboard and kick goals mm. and behinds and that. Mm. Like in soccer, you've got Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, yep. all of those forward goal-scoring mm. players are the ones who are Getting all most the glory. known about. And then thus, you know, maybe they they like the attention, they get it for so long. If they didn't have it, if they didn't remain in the limelight, who would they be really? Exactly. So it's true. Yep. So that's just an interesting thing that I've never noticed that before. Um, All right, mate, let's move on to our life lessons. I don't get to ask you a question without notice today. Oh, okay. Hit me up. Um, It's a very important one. What did the chicken say to the duck who was about to cross the road? What? Don't do it, they'll be talking about it forever. <laughs> that was a joke without notes. <laughs> was a joke in the format of a question. Yeah. Hey. Touche. Did you hear about the 
um, antennas that got married. <laughs> no. The wedding was a bit so-so, but the reception <laughs> rocked. <laughs> oh, gee, dad jokes are that notice. Uh, what did you want to do next? Uh, life lessons. Oh, life Clearly lessons. you're a dad, so you must have some life lessons I for do. us. If you're not hungry for God, you're probably full of yourself. Oh, <laughs> the mic. And we both know that we're both full. <laughs> Yeah, okay. No, very true. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that I've realised is that the minute I stop allowing God to recreate me in his image, I start wanting to recreate God in my image. Mm. So this is, it's, it's not a neutral thing, hey? Yeah. Um, and so it's just something that I watch in my own life. I know that I will make better decisions. I know that I will be happier, stronger, healthier, more of the fruit of the Spirit whilst ever I'm maintaining a decent hunger after God. Mm. Not just the things of God, not just the blessing of God, but actually just to know him yeah, and be yeah. known by him. And, yeah, and, and if I cultivate that, the other stuff flows out of it. Yeah. How do you best cultivate that hunger or pursue that hunger when you feel it diminishing? Uh, the same as I would any other relationship, so time, uh, reading the word, Discovering, yeah. I find when you discover, for me, just the way I'm wired, uh, reading the word and discovering something new about God and his character mm. and who he is, discovering something, a new depth of the power of the cross, mm. um, these things just create such a joy. It's like, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone and you discover something great about their nature or their character, you actually want to be around them more, you mm. enjoy them more. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I do. And, and the other thing would be... Um, my, my time of prayer or meditation or podcasting, again, usually a great teacher and being outdoors, walking in the bush mm. somewhere and just yeah. spending time where I can pray, not not stressed and it's not an agendered prayer mm. um, and just begin to intentionally cultivate that in my life. I mean, you know, we've got to be real. Like there are times when you just go, oh, well, if I'm really honest, I've just got so flat out with life or maybe you just get knock after knock after knock and you're like, I'm just a bit flat and... Mm. I just haven't really lent into God the way I need to. I just need to prioritise that relationship again. Yeah. And, it, and it's just something I want to monitor. Mm. You know, I, d- I don't want to get to the point where um, I'm more interested in what I'm doing for God than I am in knowing God. Yeah. Or even I don't even want to get to the point. Like One of my big things you would know I talk a lot about is having a hunger for the fruit of the Spirit in my life, not just the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm all for the gifts of the Spirit. But um, you know, I think as... As Christians, the thing that distinguishes our life is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, like Jesus even said, the way they love each other, how you know they're my mm. disciples. And it's it's those things that come about by the Spirit of God in our life uh, transforming us. It makes you a better husband. It makes mm. you a better friend. It makes And so life works better. Um, it enables you to deal with the disappointments of life better when you've got lots, you know, the fruit of the Spirit really working in your world. And so... That's something I'm really passionate about. But I don't even want to get to the point where I want more of that in my life than just knowing God. Like I reckon that has to always remain mm. the number one, to know God and be known by God, to walk with him, to be a friend of God, uh, to be a child of God. And if I keep that central, everything else sort of flows out of, it, out mm. of that. And, yeah. and when I notice that dwining or dwindling or if I'm, if I'm becoming more obsessed with what I'm doing... Um, because you become less fruitful in your doing, 
yeah. become frustrated, and that's when you can become to begin to strive and try and do things in your own flesh. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that we all do at times, but one of the most disappointing things, particularly if it's prolonged, is when you see people even doing God stuff or church stuff or kingdom stuff, whatever word you want to put around it, but it's done out of this strivey, fleshy, achievy nature it just burns people and chews people up. Mm. And I look at it and go, come on, that, that can't be what the kingdom of God's about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's something I'd really yeah, it's um, Yeah, it's one that you're, you're always got to be on top of. Like I know for this year, like with especially Melissa and I both going full-time um, in jobs outside of the church mm-hmm. for the first time, you definitely just have periods where you're just sort of going – Oh man, like you're this sort of feeling. It's just you. I guess I can just see how easy and quickly you can just drift into this sort of coasting state, mm. um, where all hunger for God is just numbed, just dulled. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it really, yeah. So it does come back to those. So one thing, and like, and we've sort of you know had conversations about it different times, and recognizing. Hey, you know the fact that we're discontent with that is a good thing. Right. So this feel a feeling of discontentment there is actually good because it's revealing to you what's at the core of you, mm. like what the point of something where you're sort of going to say, no, that's not who I am, mm-hmm. um, and this doesn't actually align with the core of my like the yearnings deep within me say. No, I do want to seek God. Mm. And so it's actually a good thing when you get to that point and you recognise this isn't satisfying me. Mm. So that's a great revelation to realise, actually, I do have a heart for God. Yep. It's kind of like we were touching on last week with the whole failure thing, like um, doesn't mean that you have no faith. And right. it's like that. It's like when you get to that and you're feeling really discontent, the fact that you're feeling discontent is actually probably your faith calling you saying this rhythm right now isn't, fulfilling the yearnings of your faith so yeah it's definitely one you got to um, keep track on one of the things that often will help me is that when you're looking in the scriptures rather than looking for something new like dwelling on on a moment that you've had in the past and sort of remembering that it's sort of like you know like you're saying you know looking at similar to a relationship with anyone you'd have you can't always just be looking to a new experience with your right. wife you know, it's like, but what you can do is remember those seasons that you've come through or those moments where they've come right. through. or, And it's the same with God. Like I remember a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I just had something highlighted from years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at that and I was just remembering when I had first read that and God had just spoken so powerfully to me um, through it. And I just sort of dwelled on that memory. Mm-hmm. of, And I remember even... um the CEO of Young Life back when I was uh, doing youth ministry with them, he's, he was talking about a really dry season that he went through. Um, you know, he's you know, in this leadership position and, and life is just coming at him and he was talking about how he basically just had to live that whole year on past glory. Mm. Um, and he was this all that kept him going was just the, the past memories of what God had done in his life. And sometimes that's all you've got mm-hmm. just to pull you through a season mm-hmm. is this drawing upon what God has done for you in the past. And yeah. yeah, nice. 
And I think those things like remembering the past, um, reading the words, spending time with God, like they're, they're basic things. But and if they become the as a um, as a discipline themselves become the focus, you know, you lose the point. But I've even been thinking lately, like the discipline of gathering together. Clearly, um, during COVID, you know, we've been doing church online. We're now able to do small groups again, which is really important, and we're really encouraging in the life of the church. Um, and one of the good things out of this is that is there is that thing of let's not just be dependent on a church service. You know, really encouraging people to be self-feeders and to have their own hunger. And all of that's great and important. But one of the things that's not lost on me is that gathering together was actually like it's a God idea. And that it does. It's like when you gather around other believers and you see their faith and their passion and their joy, it does stir you on each week. And that that's actually an important part of keeping our um, faith life real yeah, and at the forefront. So uh, I think that that's knowing that we're in a season where we can't gather the whole body together at the moment, then we need to be extra intentional in our own personal world yeah, and not see that as, oh, man, I must just be such a bad Christian that going to church actually keeps me on track. I should be able to do it completely on my own. Well, Okay, maybe, but then maybe also God just knows human nature and that's why it was his idea that we do gather. Mm. Yeah, it's actually a great thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Very good. What about you, sir? Um, so mine isn't so much a statement but a a question that... So what I will preface this with is saying that I'm, I wanted to sort of address men right now. Mm. And I was listening to a podcast, which is what seems to be what starts off most of my statements. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast. (laughs) Um, (coughs) And he was talking about some of the fundamental questions men and women ask themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like about yourself. And one of the big questions that men will ask themselves is, have I got what it takes? Mm. And when he said that, I was just like, oh, well, that, that's really resonating with me. Um, even when, so something that I'm doing at the moment is studying building design so that mm-hmm. I can hopefully get into drafting and stuff down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of, and that really spoke to me of like it put words to something that I probably hadn't put words to yet that I was feeling within myself of going, this, have I got what it takes to make this shift, you know, I've got to get through this study Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it's going to mean a complete career shift um, to do it and there would be all kinds of different things that would have to come into play, especially if I want to go out on my own and start a business. Yeah, just the whole, I can just see just how big of a shift it would be. Yes. Um, And I think, so, and at different times, especially like with my study, I'll find myself putting that to be the last thing that I get to before anything else. Yeah, okay. And I reckon it's because um, at different times I'm avoiding that question. Have I got what, Have it, I takes? Got what it takes? Mm. And you're sort of, you're not wanting to be confronted, confronted with that question. Mm. And I reckon that can be some of the reasons that I might procrastinate on my study at times. Mm. If it all flops, <laughs> it was because... Oh, I didn't have that much time to put towards it. Not because you don't have the ability yeah. to yeah. complete it. Yeah, we give yeah. ourselves an hour, an excuse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I just think that's. I just hope that gives some language to 
some men out there that mm. might just be maybe they're feeling down on themselves, beating themselves up, um, feeling insecure, or maybe they're not wanting to. Um, maybe they're feeling fear of stepping into something that they're passionate about, or feel a need that they could be filling, or something like that. It might be worth asking yourself if this question is what's driving it, driving it, or yeah, just ask yourself, you know, have I got what it takes? You know, that's something that we're often asking ourselves under the current, um, not necessarily our conscious thoughts. Um, and if we can recognise that that's what we're actually asking ourselves, mm. then we can start to work out, okay, how, uh, why am I asking that? What are my insecurities? Why do I think that I don't have what it takes? Right. Um and if you yeah. don't, in a certain area, get help. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. It, well, I don't think it's a question that's exclusive to men by any stretch. But no. I think I've never met a man who doesn't ask himself that question. Yeah, and and life asks that of us, and and it's important to us for our sense of identity and self. Yeah. Um, and I think that a, a big part of fathering, you know, young boys is helping them believe in themselves. They have got it what it takes, um, while still walking in humility. Mm. And teaching young dads that they've got what it takes to raise kids, yeah. um, you know, because and I reckon you know, well, like when you look at the um, different issues in society at the moment, especially with um, fatherless homes and stuff. Mm. Um, well, if if young men haven't been taught how to answer that question, have I got what it takes? Right. Like, what's more terrifying than having a baby? Yeah, and, and I think for a lot of us, what as blokes we tend to do, um, if if deep down we're not sure that the answer to that question is yes, we won't necessarily confront that, mm. but we find ways to isolate and and cover it up and avoid, yeah. and then you end up with you know that old saying of a man child, yeah, uh, who hasn't grown up and taken responsibility and faced those big questions in yeah. life and. So, yeah, they're very important things to wrestle with. Mm, mm. Um, so that was that was my thought for today. Very good. By trying anything, you risk having the answer being no. Right. But if, we, if you try for something, you risk finding out that no, you don't have what it takes. Mm. But by simply not trying, you don't actually find out yeah. whether you do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've guaranteed it by not trying. If you exactly. try, it's fifty-fifty. Um, it was that's the same with um, disappointment and worry. It's like uh, I was just listening on a podcast the of other day, you were. <laughs> um, and he was saying, if you worry, like uh, if you excessively worry about something, you've now experienced it twice. If it comes true, yeah, wow. Yes, I choose to experience disappointment once. <laughs> <laughs> what a great thought! So, uh, you live with optimism. You yeah. try things, and if you fail, well, you've only failed once because you didn't fail beforehand you didn't in your worries think, and yeah, fears. Well, that's a really interesting way. <laughs> I, choose to, I choose to fail once. Um, okay, mate, so we've finished up Luke, mm. and so we're going to be moving into John. The book of John. Um, there was, yeah, Luke has finished with um, – uh, I just feel like it finishes with such anticipation for what's to come for the church. Right, um, and intentionally so. Yeah, yeah, leading into... We'll have to read Acts after we're done with the Gospels, I reckon. Yeah, well, that is on the agenda yeah. um, before the end of the year. And that's 
I, I even toyed with the idea of doing Lukaku because they are a um, you know, two-part series, but um, decided not to stick yeah. with the Gospels, get yeah. do it that way. Yeah. So do you want to give us a bit of an overview of John? Yeah, a bit of an overview of John. Um, I certainly wouldn't classify myself as an expert in John. It's a little bit more it's, – it's different to the other Gospels. It's not one of the synoptic Gospels where um, Matthew, Mark and Luke contain a lot of similar material. Um, there's a lot that occurs in John – that is different to the others. Some um, believe they thought, thought it was written after. Yeah. Um, most people believe it was written by John, the son of Zebedee. Um, Zebedee. One of the disciples and certainly one of the inner circle. Um, he refers to himself within the book and is re- referred to not as John but as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Mm. Um, there is some thought with, with some of the more later revisionist work that maybe it's a different disciple, John, uh, who lived in Jerusalem later and was known as John the Elder, uh, I, I tend to feel it was um, John the son of Zebedee for a bunch of reasons that I won't get into now. Um, probably more important, though, than exactly who wrote it is why. And and the big thing about it is that the readers would come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and through believing would come into eternal life. Uh, that's the whole point of John. Uh, and it's broken up into four parts. There's a, a prologue, and then there's two middle sections, which take up the majority of it, and then there's um, a, an ending as well, or an epilogue. And in the prologue, the introduction, it's really cool. It begins with this, in the beginning was the word, which is a throwback to Genesis, Yeah, um, a reference to Genesis. And it's written in poetic, beautiful language, uh, amazing. In the beginning was the word, and... Um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that. Words are distinct from a person, but they also embody the will and the mind of a person. Mm. And so the idea is that the word was distinct from God the Father, but embodies everything that is the mind and the will of the Father. And then John goes on to just make it plain that the word was with God and the word was God. And then he makes it plain that uh, the word became flesh, which is Jesus. And then there's some incredible statements made in that introduction about Jesus. Uh, The Lamb of God, the Son of God, a rabbi, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the King of Israel, and Jesus of Nazareth. Seven really big calls. And basically what he's setting up is this is who Jesus is. And then he goes into these um, two different sections. And uh, the first section they call the Book of Signs. Um, And it's a bunch of different signs or miracles that Jesus does, and at the end of each one, there's like this controversy or this confronting moment where you've got to decide, is Jesus who he says he is? Mm. And so, yeah, he begins by telling us these are the claims about Jesus. Now we're going to go through and I'm going to show you a bunch of signs. And the signs aren't just random things. Um, a bunch of the signs tackle classic Jewish institutions yeah, um, and in each case claim that Jesus is the reality of that. So take, for example, the temple. And Jesus says to them, you know, in three days I'll destroy this and rebuild it. And and so the temple is a place where heaven and earth meet. And Jesus is actually saying, actually, I am the place where heaven and earth has met. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on beneath the surface with some good Bible study and I'd encourage people to read a, a, um, a good commentary or something as you go through because there's just so much depth. It's more than just the miracle and then the controversy. He's actually making some, especially to the Jewish leaders at that time, um, some really big claims. Other, other things that he does uh, tackle the Jewish festivals. 
and sacred days. And uh, it's it's incredible. And at the end of each one of these moments, there's that decision or that controversy, and, and am I going to believe? And then it goes into the second half, which they call the Book of the Glory, um, which is really Jesus demonstrating his love for his disciples, um, uh, his love for the Father, and that the Father will be glorified through him. And then yep. he goes on to commission um, the disciples. And so right towards the end of that, Jesus is raised from the dead, and then there's this interaction with um, Thomas, the doubter. And again, it's this moment of, well, will you believe and so right throughout the book of John, it's just bringing us back a time and a time again to Jesus is the fulfilment of these ideas in Scripture in the Old Testament, will you believe? Mm-hmm. And then Jesus died and risen from the dead. Now, disciples, will you believe? And then there's the commissioning of, uh, right towards the end, the commissioning of Peter. And now, will you believe and go and do what I've called you to do? Mm-hmm. And so really the whole thing of the book of John is displaying for us the amazing uh, fullness of who Christ is, the loving Saviour, and challenging us to believe in him and respond to that mm. and go and live accordance. Yeah. And that's really awesome. the whole theme and pattern of John. Nice. Well, hopefully that really helps set people up for this um, as we read through and we encourage people to um, read along through the Gospel of John um, obviously this taking our time through it again and just really allowing God to speak to us um, through these Gospels and really taking us deep into the life of Jesus. And um, I think it will be another um, great time of just building our faith and yeah, growing in that knowledge of God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in again today. Uh, we hope you have a great week and we'll catch you again soon. Remember that you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Generosity Church page. Uh, you can always go to the YouTube Generosity Church page um, or you can follow us on Spotify at the Courageous Influence Talk Show. Bye for now. All right.